0: Thank you for listening to The Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me Daniel Crux, whose sci-fi series, uh, The Black Sun, is out now. Um, Daniel, go ahead and introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit more about The Black Sun.
1: Hi, my name is Daniel Crux. I am the author of the sci-fi epic Black Sun, which, six books so far, working on the seventh. It'll just keep going on from there. Black Sun is obviously a space opera about, with the theme, central theme being space piracy. Sometime in the present day, we... Earth is invaded by aliens, and naturally we're beaten back until we use nuclear weapons to force back the invaders. But we irradiate the planet in the process. This leads to a post-apoc period, which is considered the second age of man. Goes on for anywhere between a couple hundred to a couple thousand years, until one warrior, for lack of better description rises up and essentially rediscovers the civilization that we've lost and he forms an empire takes over the rest of the planets and over the course of time start revitalizes everything thus forming the third age of man and one of the byproducts of this is we expand into space we we Discover faster than light travel, and we decided to expand ourselves into beyond the solar system and start colonizing everything. Well, one of the another byproduct of this is the logistics. Obviously, you have different colonies with different needs, so there's a lot of interstellar travel with supplies and goods. So that invites piracy to make its grand return. Kind of like in the Age of Exploration slash Golden Age of Piracy. Some of the most prominent pirates groups out there go on to form their own nations called plants. Kind of like what they tried to do in I think it was Nassau back in the day. I'm a very big history buff so I like to put that in my work. Oh, nice. And I know a few pirates actually tried to make free republics for themselves. They didn't work out, obviously. But in my book, the pirate clans, as they call, as they're called, form into full fledged nations. And one of these clans is called the Gold Dragon Clan. It's starred by a woman called Morgana Flint, and it lasts for twenty years until. In the prologue, she is intercepted somewhere, and long story short, she dies, but not before sending her two children out into the world to survive. Time skip later, the children grow up and become full-fledged pirates themselves. They're not any closer to carrying on their family legacy. They're barely surviving. Okay. And that's when a ev- certain event happens, not too many spoilers, that leads them to accepting a job. They have to uh, hijack a certain ship from one of the most heavily fortified bases in the galaxy. This is the ship that becomes Black Sun. And that once they hijack it, obviously, form a crew, head back into space, and the rest of the story saga if you will is about their various adventures as they try to rebuild their clan as well as pursue one of the greatest if not the greatest mystery the galaxy has to offer
0: nice so you have done uh, quite a bit of backstory and some in-depth um pre-writing on this mm-hmm. it sounds like um what was the genesis for this book
1: series Around the turn of the century, I don't know if you're into anime or anything like that, or, I mean, I grew up on Cartoon Network, Toonami, you know that that TV block back in the late '90s, early aughts? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, when streaming started, I mean, literally started, they had something called Toonami React where they put on old anime classics like Space Battleship Yamato, Star Blazers to Us, some some Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. and a bunch of others. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they put on was called the Harlock Saga. Okay. And it was... It's a classic... Around the classic anime character, Space Pirate Captain Harlock, who made by the same line behind Yamato, which I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And I looked into that because it was an intriguing idea, but I realized Harlock's character is not really a space pirate. He has the aesthetics for it. He has the eye patch. His ship has skulls and crossbones all over it. But he's more of a Robin Hood figure in space. You know, he's fighting a war on Earth's behalf when earth doesn't want to fight it against this alien threat right and i thought you know now that i think about it there hasn't been a science fiction series space opera or otherwise that tackles piracy in space actual piracy where you intercept supply convoys or raid planets you know pillage and plunder like like in parts of the caribbean right And that idea just snowballed over time. It took on various forms through the Ox. I mean, it started off as small writing, but eventually I got out of college. And around that time, well, before that, I got a degree in video game design. My plan was to go into story writing for, say, Konami or whatever. But around that time, There was a big demand for graphic designers and programmers, Mm. but writers were all too valuable. If you had them, you did everything to keep them. So there were no prospects for that. My mother, in her wisdom, I mean, great wisdom, I should say, told me that, use this as an opportunity. You wanted to be a story writer. So pursue that full-time, develop your series I mean, don't just write it, develop it. Set up the world, the universe it's in, the characters, the everything down to all the reading material that my main character, Captain Jonathan Flint, likes to, put, likes to do in his free time. It took me about four years after that to write the first three books. All throughout, I would write up to a point that I realized, oh, crap, I don't have anything for this part. So I'd stop writing and just write, come up with whatever I needed at the time and just continued on. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I had a whole universe unto my own.
0: How long did it take you? You said you had three, you know, four years to, to write your three books. Um, uh-huh. What were your writing habits at that point?
1: I did a chapter at a time. Originally, the first three books were one book. I mean, if you take, say, book two or book three, You'll notice that they don't start at chapter one. They start, I mean, I think book two starts at chapter 18. And I forgot where book three starts, but essentially they're the same story, just dividing the three books.
0: Okay. Was that a difficult decision to do?
1: No, not really. It was necessary for publication. And again, referring back to my mother, she wanted to brag that I had a whole trilogy unto my own, and so that kind of worked out for me in the end.
0: Right. Uh, The wisdoms of mothers, you know, where would we be without a little nudge from our moms? Shout out to all moms out there.
1: I'm going to say this now, Morgana Flint, the character is based on my mother. Oh, nice. And yes, I do do kill her off in the (laughs) prologue. Everyone points that out. But she leaves a lot. She is a legend in the series. She leaves a lasting impact, especially on her children. So I like to think I paid some, a fair amount of tribute to my own mother there.
0: So when did uh, the first book come out?
1: I ha- was set up for, for publishing with a New York company ar- around 2015, I remember, because it was just before the first Star Wars mo- sequels movie came out. And... I got my first rejection then because it in hindsight just wasn't ready at the time i had to do a bunch of other things before refine it more if you will before it could be picked up Mm -hmm. so that took a few more years until all the while i'm writing the fourth book and then the fifth book and then i run into my current publisher nick i think around 2018 and again i had to break it up into three books and when it was one book at the start and that's what attracted nick's interest because one of the things in publishing that i became aware of early on is that everyone writes at least one book they write one book on any subject usually it's an all biography but every now and then you have a story writer that thinks they can write this epic in one go and they think they'll be set for life thereafter every now and then you get an author that will write two books and then even further on you'll get an author that'll write three books and so on and so forth so Nick sees I wrote three books and picks me up so it wasn't set there obviously I'm still trying to get the books out there but as far as name recognition and the like goes, but that, essentially the, the progress first progression ended at that point. Then another began.
0: You got picked up um, by Nick, who is um, the owner of Inkwell Publishing, um, and yes. it is a hybrid system where um, you know they work with the authors. Uh, can you yes. go ahead and explain uh, what Inkwell Publishing does and how they have helped you?
1: nick likes to brag he was the first one to do the hybrid publishing thing i honestly i didn't care at that point what what it was so long as my work was published and it got out there and nick ha- and that's what nick did he gave me uh he got me into all the bookstores or at least the websites to the bookstores and I mean, if you type in Black Sun Daniel Crux, you'll notice how quickly he'll come up and how many bookstores around the world are selling book, my books. I mean, it's, as a hybrid publisher, I had to pay into it somewhat, but not into Nick's pocket. I mean, that would make him a vanity publisher, which no, which is a label neither of us want to be associated with. He provided me the contacts for advertising and uh, different catalogs that bookstores look through to to decide what they want to market. And I had to pay some of it. He had to pay some of it, but that's essentially what hybrid publishing is. You put some your money on the line, so a bit more than you'd be comfortable with, but it's all Toward a good cause, I mean, getting your books out there and not having any negativity associated to it.
0: Um, as indie publishers are starting their journey, um, it's something that they can look um, to in order to have somebody that has contacts that can that can help you. I know uh, a lot of indie authors as they are struggling to get their their first book out. They have to they they have to do everything. They have to find an editor to make sure everything's okay and the cover. Um, yeah. artist and, and they have to learn marketing and and what to do it sounds like yeah. with uh, inkwell publishing they they help you with those kind of tougher issues
1: yes they do and i like to think there are others like nick out there because again he has really helped me come this far
0: so book six is out now what what are some of your writing
1: habits now uh, my writing habits haven't really changed. So I write a chapter at a time, and sometimes I have it planned out from the beginning all the way to the end. I had that around book five, I believe. Other times, books like book six, I start out with concepts, and then as I keep writing, it all gradually just sells in.
0: So with that concept, are you more of, okay, I have three big events throughout the book that I want to, to get to? Or do you just have like an ending or a, a beginning and you just kind of go?
1: It it depends on the book. I mean, with book seven right now, uh, I started out with concept, and I'm still planning the ending out. I have a general idea. It's just putting it and organizing it on paper. With the first three books, I had a beginning and I had an ending, and I basically had to fill out how I'm gonna connect the two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it again. It all, there is no set standard. Uh, at least on my side of things. It just depends on what the idea the idea I have at the time. And then, through one, one way or another, I just felt the rest of it.
0: Nice. I'm glad that it comes together. So, why, you know, you said you're a history buff. You could have chosen, like, a, a fictional history, um, you know, a la Eric Flint with uh, Bain Publishing. Why did you choose science fiction?
1: Well, to start off with, I have what used to be called Asperger's syndrome. I mean, I don't mind putting that out right there. It's probably going to be obvious in my work. And one of the things I've been best at and had the most trouble with is thinking outside the box. I get bored with the real world. I get bored with rules and things that fit nicely in the box the creative box if you will and science fiction allows me to expand beyond that because I can come up with things that could never happen in the current world but in my little universe where we're not confined to one planet and sometimes even one set of physical laws I can basically do whatever I want and while making sense, of course, but still,
0: that's one of the things that I love about um, the fantasy and science fiction genres is you can create a whole world, a, a whole universe, and you, you know you said as long as it makes sense, as long as there you know there are rules that have it make sense, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's that's what's so great. Um, you know sometimes we need a palate cleanser from the things of the world we need something to kind of take us away from the daily stresses and you know some people read you know history books or whatever books you know but for, for me it was always fantasy and science fiction and I loved that do you remember kind of the first stories that brought you into the, that genre?
1: Michael A. Stackpole's x wing series for the original Star Wars EU the, I th- I mean I read Jules of the worlds by hg wells all the classics but it wasn't until i got into the x-wing series i mean his depiction of star wars that was centered on military conflict as a and politics and all that as opposed to the jedi running around with their lightsabers i mean that's what got me into sci-fi full-time
0: uh you so you said michael stackpool um helped you, you know, kind of inspired you. Is there any other authors that that inspired you? You know, you mentioned Jules Verne and some of the classics.
1: Well, again, I go back to my mother and her seemingly infinite wisdom. One of the things she did was she bought my brother and I abridged classics as children. You know, Moby Dick, uh, Robin Hood, and obviously 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And there were... Same stories, but they were broken down so that children could read them. Mm-hmm. And I love Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I read the book. I saw the Disney movie, back when Disney was really, really. That made an impact on me because, again, Jules Verne did not take the the box and believe that that was all there was. He could do as far as writing went. Yeah, there was a historical submarine that Napoleon's Navy, I believe, was developing. They never fielded it, but they were, it was a predecessor to the Nautilus. And that's obviously that's what inspired Jules Verne to write 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. As you said, the creative process, just that you take something say a historical event or something that happened in the present and you decide that I can not adapt this to words, but I don't have to keep it in the confines of the real world. And I always thought that that part of the development to twenty thousand leagues under the sea, I always thought that was inspiring. Mm-hmm. You said you saw the ship at Fanfusion. It's based on a German U-boat, okay, from World War II. And I got the idea. Originally, it was going to be like the Amato, where a bow ship or bow cruiser, World War II style. But then I saw Dawes' boot, and I realized, you know, now that I think about it, submarines have always been equated to pirate ships. There was a british admiral back in the day that when submarines first came out he hated the concept so much that he compared the crews to the submarines as brigands and pirates oh really yeah well they took that as a badge of honor so ever since then the victory flag for a successful submarine mission executed has been the jolly roger. <laughs> When the HMS Conqueror sunk the General Belgrado in the Falklands, for example, she returned to her pose. I mean, port. Excuse me, with the Jolly Roger waving from her sail. That's the part that sticks out from the rest. Again, I do a lot of research.
0: No, it sounds like it. And with your story, like I said before, you've done a lot of um, background to to create um, your your story. Did you start with um, with that that background and you're like, okay, I want to build this world, um, have these different ages, and then I'm going to start the story here? Or did you have an idea for the story and then kind of retroactively, how am I going to create a world that fits into this?
1: I'd say the retroactive part. Originally, the story began as, again, after Captain Harlock, I believe they came up with two brothers that become space pirates, and they do the standard pirating gig, you know, go after supply convoys, be moving between the different settlements and colonies. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it just snowballed, where I come up with another idea I'd add into the general notes. And it, by the time the 2010s rolled around, I had a full universe to work with.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it's it's pretty in depth, and you could explore the universe, um, infinitely mm-hmm. if you want to.
1: Yes, I can, and so I hope the readers can too once they pick it up.
0: Yeah, you said that you you sold out of your first book of the series, at Phoenix Fan Fusion. Um, how mm-hmm. can you said you could get online? Is there um, uh, a specific store? Like, do you have your own website that sells um, the book series if people want to grab a hold of it?
1: Yes, I do. I Crux one word, dot com.
0: And that's Crux with an X.
1: With an X. And obviously it's on Amazon, but I think they're sold out book one as well. Thanks to Fan Fusion.
0: Yeah, I, I, I got on a, to look and uh, they didn't have any.
1: Nope. Most of the people that came up, another trick to the business, by the way, is not, sometimes the customer will always be hesitant to buy the product, because they don't want to commit fully. So to any authors, independent or otherwise are listening out there, you want to put uh, the summary of your first book on a card. And if someone's interested, but doesn't want to buy the book right there, you pass them the card has the summary as well as a brief biography of yourself and as well as links to where they can pick up your book. And sometimes they'll they'll go home and decide, you know, I'm going to try this. And you'll, you'll have sold a book right there.
0: That's great advice. Anybody that's um, going to conventions or just a pass along card, if you're, you know, just in the elevator or something, that's that's great advice. You know, going back to Inkwell Publishing, how involved are they in the, like the the
1: marketing side and stuff, or is that just all you? I know next to nothing about marketing. I mean, Inkwell is again, Inkwell provides contacts regarding the catalogs and the bookstores and all that. But as far as marketing goes, I go back to my mother, <laughs> who, well, my mother is a, she was a chemical engineer back in the day, oh. literal rocket scientist.
0: Wow!
1: So she is a dictionary definition workaholic. She's retired now, and she, if you don't mind a little bit of shameless promoting, she's putting to get. She has a charity called busted broads and she works with her partner worked human resources for the biggest lawyer firm in phoenix for a time so she and in human resources you don't just it's not just a standard office job with a meaningless title you actually have to Deal with that aspect of the company, you know the the human side of it, right? And that required her to travel to different conventions to promote the company and see what kind of employees she could recruit. So she knows promotion. She knows how these conventions work, mm-hmm. and she she helped me instrumentally with fantusia she was the one that came up with the card idea for the summary and the biography
0: uh-huh.
1: and obviously business cards those are essential too right she and my mother advised me on what kind of artwork would attract crowds I mean obviously there's characters mm-hmm and the ship itself i mean those are the two things i think every space opera needs to show up front think of it like this star trek would not be as recognized today if it were just james c kirk and the crew on the bridge you have to have the enterprise there as well right and you have to show what it all looks like because some people you can write down the most in-depth description you can but people will not be able to picture it correctly until you give them something truly visual.
0: Right, and you did. You had the cast of characters and the ship that, you know, my cousin um, was with me, and he talked to your brother quite a bit about the the cast and how amazing that the artwork was.
1: Yeah. I learned from the best, and I was advised by the best, as far as the marketing goes.
0: So uh, what are the rest of your plans for this year? Are you going to any more conventions?
1: There's SaboCon, which my brother is pushing for here in the Valley. It's like a lesser fan fusion. Mm-hmm. Sorry, to, sorry to anyone who's working at SaboCon. I'm sure, I'm just saying you're on a smaller physical scale, not that the convention is lesser than fan fusion. And I've gotten invites to New York Comic Con, Houston Comic Con, and elsewhere. Nice. But, we'll see. I mean, I, I can only travel around so much, and obviously there are budgetary things to consider, but I'm probably going to spend the rest of the year writing books seven, and maybe start on book eight, and then in between, I'm going to be promoting like a day of Fanfusion.
0: Nice. So, uh, is there any advice that you'd like to give any new authors? I think that Uh, card that you mentioned earlier is a a great one that i think anybody could benefit with Um, is there any other advice that you'd like to share
1: yes and this is both to authors that have already put books out and authors that are think starting or think about starting this is a full-time job this is each there, everyone out there I know believes they can just, if they have all the time in the world and computer, they can just sit down and write a book. It's not that simple. This is a full-time job. You have to treat it as a full-time job, even if you have something on the side to keep the lights on at home and you're in that access. So my advice is to go at it whether you're in full whether you're making your own science fiction universe or you're writing a great mystery you plan out everything even if you don't have much to start out with you plan out as much as you can at the start and then once you begin the story eventually the rest of it will fall into place but the fact is you have something to start on first
0: that's great advice I like to um, uh, I like to liken it to driving a car. Like, if you get in a car right now and you now have it turned on, it's pretty tough to steer it. Like, you can't turn the steering wheel. But if you get it moving yeah. just a little bit, you can get it steering. You can move the, the wheels and get it down the road a little bit.
1: Yeah, and that's a very apt analogy because when in the daytime, my job is essentially to run around in my car doing odd jobs. And I have to plan for traffic patterns, the condition of the road, whether there's work being done on it or not. And even things as far as the local climate, because, the, I mean, here in Arizona, it was 107 degrees out today. So I could not be out for too long without, without risk of heat stroke. Right. So I had to get my job done. As quickly, but as efficiently as possible, and make sure all parties were satisfied. And that's what you basically have to do as a writer.
0: Um, Daniel, I appreciate you getting on with me. Go ahead and tell everybody how. The, I mean, we already mentioned your website um, www. danielcruxcruxwiththex. com. Um, is there any social media that they can follow you?
1: Yes, I'm on. I'm on Facebook. I mean, there are different Daniel Cruxes on Facebook, but I'm the only one with a. Uh, with the golden jolly roger as my icon i also i'm also on fanfiction.net i mean that's another piece of advice i'd give you have you have to keep writing even if you can't stick with one story you just keep writing no matter what and i started out as a fanfiction writer so when i'm not working on black sun or one of my original products that's what i'm working on and i'm on fanfiction.net as under the screen name wing zero alpha exactly as it sounds three words so if you want to so if you want to see read stories that i've written that i can't make any money on whatsoever that's that's where you can go
0: People can get a little taste of, of how you write and and read some stories. Wing Zero Alpha.
1: Yep, and I'm also on Deviant Arts. That's where the presently the Black Sun artwork is until I get a proper wiki going. It also has some information to the characters, the ships, technology, and even things that, like the individual factions. You know the different nation states in the galaxy. Uh-huh. I, you know I mentioned clans earlier. There's also the what Earth is right now and different alien nations. So you can find the information on them on DeviantArt, and I think that's pretty much it for right now.
0: Perfect. Well, Daniel, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to get on with me. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, again, thank you for
1: the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like, and share with your friends.